Hey, 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 welcome everybody to Crowcast Podcast. I'm Shane. Hey, I'm Ronnie. And these are the audio versions of the interviews we did with our special guests on Crowcast. First up, we've got Nathan James. This one was October the 6th, um, so I'm not sure who will be listening to this, when you'll be listening to it, but we actually, uh, this will be episode 29 on YouTube, because um, we do a weekly live show that goes out on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook Live, um, and as you said, Shane, this this is a audible version, so we, we condense the episode, cut out the interview, especially for you guys, so. Yeah, man, I remember speaking to Nathan, he spoke all about um recording his new album he came out of cardiff god's country um around the corner from us and worked with ramesh um who we've worked with before he's really excited about the new album what else do we talk about ron talked about his his journey into music from becoming a blue coat um to singing uh as part of war of the worlds and obviously now he's with inglorious with a new record uh ready to strive on yeah man this was also the episode if you remember literally seconds before he we went on live um, we heard the real sad news of Van Halen passing. Oh, I completely forgot about that. Um, yeah, yet again, I mean, if everybody wants to head over to episode 29, we that was that actually broke live. You're right, dude. It was like moments before we we hit. Um, so yet again, if you want the visual version, go over to episode 29 on YouTube. Uh, but until then, let's get into it. Here we go. Strap in. This is Crowcast Podcast. <laughs> Um, shall we bring in a guest? He's he's ready. We know his mic is working. I'm excited for it. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Nathan James. Hey. <laughs> How's it going, buddy? I'm very well. How are you? Very well, mate. Very well. Look at that piano. Looking very grand. Look at that backdrop. It's amazing. Yeah, it's it's terribly out of tune, but it looks great. <laughs> But it looks great. I love that. That's like that's like my drum kit. That is Nathan. It looks pretty, but it's out of tune. <laughs> How we doing, man? What's that? How we doing, buddy? I'm really good. Yeah. Um, just really bored now. We've had a really busy period with getting the album done and yes. uh, announcing stuff, and now there's like that lull. You know that moment where you're just like, great. What do I do now for the next? three months so yeah. um yeah just teaching a lot and eating drinking gin um it's basically been my whole lockdown so <laughs> I, I know what you mean mate well it hasn't been gin for me it's been whiskey and sort of selling comfort and oh, oh lovely yeah yeah i know so this album meant so you've been how long been working on that we started writing it pretty much last year on tour uh, we started coming up with ideas during sound checks and stuff and then we finally recorded it in um in the mighty wales yes, uh of course we back in april um and we did it over three weeks uh, and it's just it's great and it's lovely being in wales although it was lockdown so we didn't get to go out and smash up fuel or whatever the <laughs> but we did have a good time and yeah it was, it was lovely being in the bay making an album all right you stayed in the bay yeah we stayed in a penthouse in the bay oh, wow. um, yeah and we were recording with you know romesh dot angoda obviously so yeah it was just brilliant what a lovely lovely place and he's such a nice guy so good at his job yeah, man, he's, he's the business, fair play. I, actually, no, it rings a bell. There was a seagull. Is that is that when the seagull did his... He threw yeah. up on your balcony. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see this, Ron. It, it's vile. <laughs> this seagull got stuck on our balcony of the, this 14th floor penthouse. And apparently that when they're scared, they chunder to, like, scare you away. <laughs> um, obviously, we weren't going to jump off the balcony, so he... <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we ended up shooting him away, but it, it left a horrible stain. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've never seen a seagull throw up like that before. That's, um, that's it was on Instagram Live, wasn't it? It was literally like, I was live at the time. Dirty past. Yeah. 
<laughs> so so COVID didn't really interrupt your plans. Were you on the road? Were you um or or you always kind of you we, we know the score with bands, you kind of schedule in, right? We're gonna do the writing and the recording and this. Is that where you fell and um you were able to kind of overcome it slightly or we managed to get the majority of the writing done before uh lockdown happened, which was nice. I kept going up to London and writing with the boys and they'd come down here to Devon and then when it actually came to the album, we just kept pushing it back. You know how it was at the beginning of the year when all your dates got pulled as well. I'm get, I remember. Yeah. yeah. As soon as all that stuff was happening, we just thought, let's push it back, push it back. And um, yeah, we pushed back the release, I think, by about a month. Uh, but yeah, it's still coming out early next year. So pretty cool. Amazing. Anything, yeah. anything different from the other two albums for Inglorious fans? Oh, yeah, loads. It's our first produced record that isn't by just a band. Um, so obviously we had Ramesh uh, with us the whole time. So he's really been a big influence on the sound um, and arrangements and stuff that just we've never had as a band before. Like Inglorious has always been myself and the members producing the records and recording live. Right. Whereas this time we've made a really modern sounding rock record. Uh, and it's just sounds enormous. You know what his sound is like. Romish's sound is so big. Yeah. Um, and to hear this band with that is really cool. Totally different. Um, but yeah, very, very happy with it. Hi, Claire. Oh, this is cute. Sarah Harris. Hello, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I spoke to Ramesh uh, in the week and he was just uh, singing you guys' praise and just says the album sounds huge. He's really well, proud of it. It's all down to him. We're terrible, so. <laughs> there he is. There he is. There he is. He shall appear. There we go. That's amazing. Yeah, we we worked with Ramesh in the past, and um, he he just gets it when you give him something, and he he really gets invested into the songs. Um, and yeah, once once he's over that arrangement, he's uh, he's brilliant to work with. Like so. Yeah, I just. As a singer, I'm sure you get this, Shane. Like, it's so hard finding finding a sound that you're really, really happy with. Um, it's such a different instrument to anyone else um, that I find it. Sometimes it's really hard to get that real crisp quality and that sound that you want to hear from your own vocal. Yeah. But Ramesh got it in about five minutes. Every this microphone that I sang on the Jay Z microphone is just the best thing I've ever heard in my life. And he mixed me and I, yeah, I sound, I sound all right. So there we go. <laughs> no, I, I know exactly what you mean. Mate. We've been to, you know, um, we've been fortunate to play some, uh, play at some quality sort of studios and stuff. And they've had incredible sort of ranges of microphones. Some cost more than like my house. Um, yeah. And and you you try them all, and you're still you're thinking, oh, this microphone's amazing, but it's not as you said, it's not the sound I'm looking for. Then you kind yeah. of question yourself, this microphone's amazing, is it me? Blah blah blah. Um, but I've always liked this, the, the microphones with the large sort of diaphragm and stuff, and that really works with my vocal. Um, but I remember recording with Ramesh, he just said, try this microphone, and try this straight away, bang. I it, didn't even have to try microphones. He kind of knew. Knew the sound of my voice and just picked the right microphone and, and we were off to the races. He knows yeah. his stuff, man. He knows his stuff. And it's stuff that not everyone will understand, you know, like yeah. stuff that people, it's like when guitarists talk about tone, do you know yeah. what I mean? And I'm sitting there going, cool. Like, <laughs> like, like, or like I know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but it does make a difference to us, you know, that's all we've got to worry about is our microphone. So it's got to be right. Um, I saw a comment just then. What was that? How's your new motor? Was that? Yeah. How's it's the new great. vehicle going? It's really good. Thank you, whoever that is. I got um, I got my first car during lockdown, which is pretty cool. Uh, oh wow! Uh, yeah, I learned to drive only two years ago when I moved to Devon. Um, and I got my first car, and it's my dream car, and I'm really happy. I got a Range Rover. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. And in the country, you absolutely need one. Uh, so, yeah, I've been rolling around looking like a farmer slash drug dealer for the last yeah. few weeks. <laughs> second, I thought you were going to say you've got a tractor or something. Then, I've got a tractor as well. I have a, a John Deere tractor with a drive, but, um, yeah, it's not, not very cool. I'll be honest. 
How many Bungle test scores in that? Can you? Brilliant. Have you um have you picked anything up during during the lockdown? Any any new hobbies? Any um because like like with us we um I've, I've dabbled with um barbecuing and Shane with drinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's um it just seems to be a habit, and we've spoken to other musicians and stuff, and people have people have gone into gardening, people have gone into do you know what I mean? It's just really cool, like you know. Yeah, I think. Mine was cooking and baking. I became that annoying banana bread guy. Same. Was that you as well? <laughs> Must be a singer thing. We just <laughs> love <laughs> um, no, I was really annoying with the baking and the cooking and making homemade pasta, fresh pasta every day. And oh wow, yeah, wow. I mean, a two stone later, right? But it was great. We're not going on stage for like another six months. I'm going to eat. <laughs> <a lot. laughs> Oh, don't make we had a we had a real shock because obviously um, we were we were hitting hitting a couple of whiskeys on you and so we were we were staying up late and having a chat and making plans for about a year's time um, and then I reverted to barbecuing and cooking meringues he was cooking uh, he was doing banana loaves and then we had the call about doing uh, Planet Rock the live TV thing. Oh, so so he's like, shit, right, that's it. No more drinking. So we did a proper crash diet. Yeah. Running running up running up hills and everything, trying to get back into shape. Then um then it was almost like right, I said to Shane, I was like, I'm gonna stay in this gear now. I said I'm gonna I do want no more surprises. I'm gonna eat well. That lasted for about a week and a half. Um then I went back to doing meringues and um I was like ah oh, we're not playing now you know everything's cool and I'll get back into the fitness. And then all of a sudden, we've got this German TV show this weekend, um, which, yeah, we've just been kind of trying to strip back everything and it's back to running and back to, yeah, shit. <laughs> so. do, the, do the rock star diet from the 80s. We all know that one. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but it seems to be the new, it's the new thing. Is this something that you guys are looking at? or Because I know a lot of bands are kind of like, oh, I'm not sure. Because, you know, we're the same as you, man. We we thrive off that crowd and, and that energy. I I was obviously a bit scared about even announcing dates. Um, not that I was reluctant. Obviously, our agent, we have the same agent now, which is pretty cool. He he knows what he's doing. You've got to totally trust these people. Um, but I just want everyone to be safe. Like, that's ultimately all I want. So next year, if these shows go ahead, amazing. If not, they're not going to get cancelled. They're only going to get postponed. These shows will happen at some point in the future. Live music isn't disappearing. Um it will happen in some way, in some shape, in some form. So, yeah, I think what's really cool about this is is seeing fans buy so many tickets. Like, our, our tickets after the first day were so strong because people are desperate to get out there. Yeah. And people, so am I as a fan. Like, there's so many gigs that I've missed out on this year. I think, uh, who was I supposed to see? White Snake and uh someone else i was supposed to see foreigner i was supposed to see i was supposed to see lady gaga at Tottenham yeah. stadium and i've missed out on all these great gigs so uh, yeah i'm looking forward to going to gigs myself not just doing them well i was hoping to take um the wife to watch uh adam lambert and queen i promised her that um i think i think muse i think the boys are tickets for aerosmith um oh. So yeah, there was some. You're right, man. There's 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 been some corkers this year that have been um, postponed. Black crows as well. Yeah, it's not the end. They will do it. You know, like we just have to be safe until then. I think that's my little bit of advice. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's like you said earlier. You kind of get into a momentum with the band, um, and then you're just looking for other little pockets. Then, like. Um, Mm. We've we've been doing the same, funny enough. So we kind of we went in the dip of everything started getting cancelled. Then it was right, we'll we'll try the the live TV streaming thing. Um, mm -hmm. Right now we're back in a rehearsal room, so that's fab. We'll keep that going and we'll try the writing. So we're yeah. we're, we're finding ways to keep busy and keep the uh, just keep the brain active and keep creative and um, you know keep 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 ourselves super positive, like you know so. Yeah. We're the same. We, we were so busy doing the album, obviously. And then when that got finished up, 
you know what it's like. You have to think about the artwork and then you have to think about the music videos and then you have to think about everything that goes with releasing uh, an album. Um, so that's kept me busy and also yeah. teaching. I think myself, Danny, Dan and Vinny in the band all teach uh, on Zoom. So we've been doing a lot of teaching, uh, which has just kept the wolf from the door. You know, like, I know it looks like I live in a giant mansion, but this isn't my... <laughs> This is my parents, so so I still have to. Do you know what I mean? I still got things to do, and yeah. I'm an idiot. I bought a stupid car with a big engine, which needs lots of fuel. So I need I need to keep that coin coming in that I've lost because all of my gigs and I was supposed to do some other stuff that I'm, I don't know if I'm even allowed to talk about. But there was the Led Zeppelin show with Planet Rock at the Palladium yeah. with an orchestra that had sold out in like a couple of weeks that I was supposed to do this week and it's not happening it's just heartbreaking like what an amazing venue amazing seeing one of my songs is is cashmere and i get to sing cashmere oh, massive orchestra and like just mind-blowing stuff and that, that's not going to happen and then i've had another tour next year which isn't with inglorious it's with another project that i do which i'm not really allowed to say but that's now been postponed uh till the following year so like all my income is being just pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. So, yeah, it's that or only fans, isn't it? I suppose. Who was um, <laughs> who was drumming? Who was drumming on that Led Zeppelin? Was it Harry from uh, Snake Charmer and Wow, very cool. Thunder, yeah, yeah, very cool. Great yeah, Shane knows him very well. It's just it's that groove, man. When you just said you were singing that song, that's. Yes. That's like that, yeah. That's just my favorite. And with an orchestra, that's that's it right there. Like you know, the oof. I'm, I'm depressed about that. So God knows how you feel about it. That's, that's, un, that's unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. But these things, they're getting postponed. They're not getting cancelled. They're just having the dates moved. Um, so yeah, there's still things to look forward to, and I'm just trying to remain as positive as possible because otherwise we go absolutely mental, won't we? Like yes. Uh, Joe Woodfield, when's the new album out? It's going, to, I'm not allowed to announce just yet, but it'll be out early next year and we'll be announcing the exact date in about four weeks' time. There you go. Very cool. cool. Yeah. Very cool. I was going to so, ask about War of the Worlds before um, we dabble back any further, but um, what was that like to get that, that, that phone call? Because that's, that's, when I grew up as a, as a kid, I had the vinyl. So I always used to go go to bed You're not with that old. <laughs> I genuinely, I genuinely, honestly used to have the vinyl. The I, I've got it somewhere down my dad's. I'm going to try and dig it out. But um, uh, the original vinyl, um, which obviously was my dad's, and I just used to play that, and that's how I used to go go to sleep. Like you know, it was um, stunning. You know, you're in the narration and the it's it's the noises as well with the with it. Oh, it's incredible. The atmospheric noises. Really groundbreaking. There's a fantastic fact about the War of the Worlds, and I hope it's true. But apparently, one in five homes in the UK had a copy of it. That's how big it was. Wow, that's an enormous amount of copy. I think it's still to this date the 40th biggest selling album of all time. Well, wow. Um, wow. so it's incredibly famous. Uh, and Jeff is a legend. Wow, what a, to work with him is just wonderful. And he even used my voice. He got me to record the song that I do in the show, which is Thunder Child, um, when they did this interactive, like, virtual experience in London. Mm -hmm. So when you were going round, when you got to, the, like, this giant boat room and you sat in the in the boat and you're, like, fighting the Martians, my voice is, like, blaring in your ears, which is pretty – was amazing to be there. And it's amazing to be part of those kind of things, you know, because it's – that album's been out 40 years. So you have to try and bring something new to it. Yeah. Every time. Uh, and I'm lucky enough that he's he's a he's a fan of my voice and what I do. So super, super lucky. Yeah. Wow. So Incredible. let's talk about uh, you growing up, Nathan. When did it start, bud? When did you find out that you could sing? Honestly, when I was probably I think I was about eleven and I didn't know I could sing, but my head teacher at my primary school said to my mum, um, he pulled her aside and was like, look, Nathan can sing. 
And she was like, no, he can't. And, uh, <laughs> and then he said, no, honestly, I'm going to put him forward for this concert. It's in front of 1,500 people and he gets to sing a solo if he gets it. And I got it. So my first ever live performance at 11 was in front of 1,500 people with an orchestra. And I... You literally, when I watch the video now, like I am a, obviously I'm a show off. I love singing. I love performing. It's what I, it's in my blood. In the video of me at 11 years old with my short back and sides and my blonde tips, you see like you see the moment I fall in love with it. Like you actually see my little face, like look at all those people and not be scared at all. I literally was like, this is brilliant. Like this, this, is what, this is what I'm supposed to do. And from that moment on, uh, I just, yeah, I've, I've sung ever since. And I've got my what? first kind of, what's that? What song, what song were you singing? Oh my God, it was awful. It was, um, it was an American songbook song, but it was a song called Little Eliza Jane. It's like a little, I'm not going to do your rendition now, don't worry. But it was, <laughs> <come on. laughs> I would love to see the video. Not a chance, Joe. Bless you for trying. <laughs> so before that, then Nathan, so did you? Was that like a spontaneous thing then? So you just tried out to with your music teacher and then found your voice, or, or was it sort of singers and bands that you looked up to and thought? Did you always have, did you always have the passion for it, but then never tried it, or? Yeah, I I didn't really discover my love of rock till I was about fifteen, and it originally came from. I went on a school trip to um to see We Will Rock You, the Queen musical in London. Right. Yeah. I and see. I happened I happened to be there on the night that Brian May was on stage. And I remember him coming up, no one knew he was there, and he came up from the pit on a platform with loads of smoke and the red special, and he was just and I honestly I, I get shivers thinking about it now, like my hair's just gone off my arm. It was that moment that I knew I was like, this is incredible. Like, I want to be able to sing like those people. I want to sing like Freddie. I discovered Freddie. Then I discovered Glenn Hughes. Then I discovered Coverdale. At first, I thought Glenn Hughes was a black woman for literally about five years. I had no <laughs> idea. Yeah. Honestly, I couldn't believe his voice. I was like, and then I set about trying, I would set myself targets with songs. So I was like, I want to be able to sing that song in the next like month. So I'd work my ass off to get to a stage where I could do it. And um, it, I just kept doing that. And I had a vocal coach from the top, from when I was about 15, who I still see now to this day, which is pretty cool. She's amazing. And she's the reason I can do it night after night. Cause I'm sure like, it's not, it's not hard to hear like what I'm doing isn't, isn't natural sometimes you know it's it's so high and it's so intense that you need that kind of safety there and it's all tricks really i'm a big con like it's all just me manipulating my voice but it sounds impressive when you've got it on a great microphone and and you know what you you know what you're doing but yeah i'm all about that i'm all about the technique in order to be able to do it night after night because so many bands i see and especially it's totally opposite to the spectrum. The really old bands and the really young bands, they don't quite have the stamina or the technique. And I like seeing a band where I can listen to the singer and feel safe in their vocal. I'm not yeah. asking them for tricks. I'm just asking them for me to listen and feel not on edge. Do yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. I want to enjoy it. I don't want to be like, oh, are they going to get to that note? Like, I want it to... I want it to kick me in the face. So, yeah, that's where the, like, singing kind of came from, I suppose. Wow. I think you sound yourself a bit short there as well, dude. It's not all just tricks. You've got a hell of a voice. <laughs> yes. I'll you because you're Welsh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, incredible, dude. Incredible. Your range is ridiculous. You've met Coverdale, though, haven't you? Yeah. I can see. I'm so excited. Uh, I told this story a little bit earlier on an interview. He, we exchanged words on Twitter. He's very active on Twitter, which I try and be, uh, like you guys try and be on all your social medias. It's really, it's really important to me to give time to these fans. And I am a fan of his. So we're on the same label and 
he once invited me backstage at Wembley. I went backstage and then he had to be rushed off because he wasn't feeling very well. So I didn't get to meet him. Heartbroken. I was absolutely gutted. And then we're doing these festivals and we had him on the same two festivals on the, a Friday and a Saturday. And I know his guitarist, Joel, really well. I was in trans Siberian Orchestra in America with Joel. So I was like, Joel, now's the time. Like, I want, I've got to meet him. He's my god. Uh, so Joel tried the first day. His tour manager wouldn't let me anywhere near him at all. He was, like, untouchable. Um, and then the next day, but we actually had a crash that first day on the way to the gig like in, in Switzerland. So Inglorious, our van crashed with only with three of us in and the driver the driver was like 80 and it was absolutely terrifying i was really shaken up and we had to be on stage two hours later so next day i'm like stood backstage during white snake at grass pop and i'm going god i wish i was on the side of stage i wish i was on the side. and their guitar tech looked at me and went and i was like <laughs> i was like me he's like yeah Come here. And he went and got me from security. He said, look, you look like the biggest white state fan in the world. <laughs> do you want to watch the gig? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, of course I do. So I've stood there in guitar world and uh, it's coming up to the drum solo. Drum solo, Coverdale, obviously gets off stage. Because what a drum solo is? Shit, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> so I'm on, I'm on there. And he's seeing walking that, on. Seeing that. Sorry to cut you off there. He thinks the same, mind. Our drummer thinks the same. I absolutely to... hate them. If I was in any band, um, if I if I did a gig with you and you're like, right, there's a part of this, this set, I want you to do a drum solo, I would be like, I would rather play the spoons, mate. I would rather come down and play the fucking spoons for five minutes and try and be more creative with spoons because I just yeah. I just see them as building a shed. To other drummers, it's pretty cool. You can go, oh, yeah, I can do this. I can do Mama Dada. I can do fucking... But to other people, they do they do the nodding for ten seconds, and after that, they're just like, "How long does it go on for?" It's like, there's just no, no. So yeah, man, sorry. Yeah, it gives everyone an opportunity to go for a piss. That's how you got to look at it. Um, so when Coverdale is walking off stage, he's literally walking off stage to come and get dry for his next number because he has a hair dryer backstage and he puts his new shirt on, and I'm there. And he walked off stage, put his mic stand down, looked at me in the eye and went, Nathan, darling. And I, <laughs> I freaked out. I screamed like a girl. It was so loud. I was like, ah! I couldn't actually believe he knew my name. Came over to me, big sweaty hug. He was like, I'll be two seconds. Went into his little thing, got, got beautiful again, came out. And um, the first thing he said was, how are you? And I was like, I'm fine. He was like, you were in a car crash yesterday. And I was like, David, I was. Thank you so much. Like, I'm fine. <laughs> I knew I was in a car crash. Like, it's just mad. Like, he's a really nice guy. Um, I've met Glenn thousands of times. Like, I love Glenn. Glenn's like my uncle, mentor. He's just a wonderful human being. Um, but David always was just that little bit too far until that day. And yeah, he's been, he's been wonderful. It's lovely when you meet people and they're 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 great. You know. Yeah, man, that's an amazing story. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> we're, we're looking forward to meeting uh, Glenn because, well, we're supposed to be going on tour with the Dead Daisies now in February, praying that it happens. Um, yeah. As you said, we will at some point. Um, but, yeah, it'd be great to meet up with Glenn and the boys. Uh, we, we've never met Glenn. Um, oh, he's wonderful. Is he really? Yeah. Uh, he's just the sweetest man and the, and the, and the best singer. The best singer pound for pound for his age in the world. I, I don't, there's no one that comes close. Like, I, yeah, I can dream of those kind of notes, you know? Wow. And the thing is, he keeps quite a busy schedule as well. Cause when he was doing the, when he was doing the Deep Purple experience, um, when he, he was just, he was like constantly on the road. Um, if yeah, he wasn't in Europe, yeah, if he wasn't in Europe, he was back in Britain. Then he was over the States, then back in Europe, then back over to Britain. It just didn't look like he was going to stop, like, you know, it was, uh, which is incredible. Like you said, it's a, it's a true tip the hat moment to a, to a singer because he, he was just, you know, rampant with the touring, like, you know, so. Which is, and he says, like, when he performs, like, what you have to understand is what a miracle that is from someone who, who literally got fired from Black Sabbath for, for being more of a drug addict than Ozzy Osbourne. 
think about that. Think about that. Like how how fucked up were you? Ozzy was a better choice than you. <laughs> and he he's very open about it. He struggled with these demons, and he's he's conquered them. And thank goodness, because that's what's kept his voice. Like his his voice is because he took time to get well. And he really knows what he's doing. He's also phenomenal. I've learned so many little things from him. He, he was wearing this little patch around his neck. And this is really interesting, actually, for you, Shane. You know what it's like when we get little bugs or we're going on public transport or we're going on a plane and people are coughing, especially at the minute. And this little patch here would collect, like, dirty germs and, like, neutralize the initial air around your throat. It would, like, get rid of bad bacteria. So he had this little thing on. And I was like, what's that? And he's like, it gets rid of all the like germs and it like collects like bad germs. I was like, that's amazing. Like really cool little thing. I've no idea. I had one and uh, but yeah, I haven't used it for a while because obviously we don't travel anymore. None of us do gigs anymore. <laughs> so, it's really handy to um to have, yeah. I've learned a few little tricks. And he tried my shoes on because we've both got enormous feet. And that was pretty cool when he tried my Jeffrey West boots on. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that 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 patch does it stick on? Because you'd have trouble with that hairy chest there, mate. I know, <laughs> Tom Jones. No, yeah. I um, I've got a. It's like on a little lanyard thing. All oh, right. It, it's quite incognito, but it just keeps you well. I'm all about vo I'm all about vocal health, which is why I studied singing for so long. Um, and yeah, that's what I try and I try and keep my voice in tip top shape. Apart from when I'm on the I'll check that out. Yeah, check it out. I can't remember. I might. I'll send you a little link if I find it. Thank you, brother. That's right, buddy. So, just backtracking, you um, obviously you set yourself bars um, with with like Glenn and and other singers and that. How did you? How did you? Did you go more into the the, the West End style of singing first, or did you think no? I want to get back into. I want to get into a rock band in school or college or. Um, this is it. I've told this story, but I, and it sounds ridiculous, but I started my performing career, my singing career, singing as a blue coat on a holiday park. Cool. No, 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 so that's cool. Like Shane Ritchie or Bradley Walsh or like any of those kind of people. Um, and I was singing every night. And back then, when I was 16, that was when you could smoke indoors. So we were in a smoky clubhouse at 16. I was 150 miles away from home, so I was getting up to all sorts of mischief, being an absolute terror, uh, and just loving it. I just really enjoyed it, really enjoyed this. It got my stamina up, and it got me singing all different styles of music. Mm -hmm. um, after that, I went over to America, and I was on a cruise ship for a year for Royal Caribbean. Uh, and that was all pop music. So it was Elton John, it was Stevie Wonder, uh, Billy Joel, all artists kind of like that that I was doing in the shows on there. So I went around the whole of America, South America, Hawaii, Alaska when I was about 18. Uh, came back and then got my first theatre job, which was, it was a show sponsored by Harley Davidson called Route 66. And it was singing all the classic American Started singing Bon Jovi and uh, Guns N' Roses, The Eagles, like just great, great stuff. Um, and then I got Thrill Alive, the Michael Jackson musical, which I did for a year. Uh, and just after that, I got asked to be on The Voice and I didn't get through, which was at the time so frustrating because I didn't even want to necessarily be on the show. They kind of begged me to go on the show. Um, and they scouted me. It was for the first series, so I was all excited and then initially disheartened when I didn't get through. Then I walked off stage and had a phone call from Angeloid Webber's company asking me to be on their show because they knew I hadn't got through. Um, and I did that, but knowing at the time I'd already had an offer of, from the Trans-Siberian Orchestra in America of a U.S. arena tour, 60 dates, full U.S. visa. Um <laughs> Yeah. Being, being in a band with Al Petrelli, who was in Megadeth, Alice Cooper's band, uh, yeah. John O'Reilly from Rainbow on the drums, like just incredible band. Um, yeah. And yeah, when I got eventually got kicked off that show, <laughs> uh, I flew straight to America and did a did a 60-day US arena tour. And um, then on that tour, I got discovered 
by a guy called Derek Shulman, who's the guy that signed Bon Jovi uh, in the 80s. He also re-signed ACDC um, when they did their comeback kind of launch, and he signed Dream Theater and Nickelback and all these kind of bands. And he acted kind of as my A&R and shopped me around to labels, and then I signed with Frontiers, and then I put the band together. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. That's I love that. That's not bad, is it? It's, I think people tend to think like that I'm some. Um, I think the general consensus is that I'm a bit of a pompous twat who kind of just got it all handed on a plate. Um, but when you hear the story, like it, I genuinely did work from a sh- horrible, shitty clubhouse in a holiday park in Devon to well now main stage download or whatever the the gig is, you know, and. Yeah, I'm really, really proud of my journey. I'd never shy away from it. Um, yeah, and I'm and I'm really lucky that I've never, to this day, touched with. I've never had to do anything that's not singing. I'm really, really lucky that I have always found a job where I can use my voice. I love that, and that that's what I love about doing this, man. Um, it's it's not just because we put it up on the on the crows thing and that. We always we haven't got to meet you yet. Um, you know, we were hoping to come across you in a festival or on a bill. Yeah. And- and, and then I love the whole, like, you know, you sit backstage and I don't like it when it's just like, hey, man, how are you doing? And you just walk off. Um, I kind of like to know where people have come from or what they've done or little things, um, like exactly like you just said then. You know, if I if I kind of went on YouTube or whatever, I'm going to hear all about your new records. And, and it's the same with us. You know, you tend to you do um, the promo stuff. So it's nice to actually sit down and kind of hear that you, you did that and you worked your ass off. Like, do you know what I mean? That's the... Yeah. Because we're no different, dude. We we you know we left school, hit all the bars, hit all the shitty clubs, and yeah. you do your covers, um, you work your way up, and then you start your writing, and then you know it's then you get turned down for about twenty years. So <laughs> it's like yeah. okay. and I, in regards to like the band, I I never wanted to like start a band because I was so scared of writing. Like I'd always sung other people's songs for my whole career, and I did I did pretty well off singing other people's songs, whether it was Michael Jackson's songs or whether it was whoever songs in the show that I was in. And um, the A and R guy who signed Jovi, he said to me, "Look, I said this to John. You need to write songs." He was like, "If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be able to write songs." And I shit myself. I was like, "No, I can't write songs. Like, I'm. This is going to be awful. I don't know what to say. I don't know what I want to say." And my first writing session, I wrote Unaware, which was on our first record, which was one of our, it was A-listed on Planet Rock for about 16 weeks. And I remember thinking, I'm all right at this. <laughs> I remember being like, maybe, maybe I'm okay at this. And I remember writing that first top line and thinking, okay, I can do this. This is fine. And that from then on, I've got more and more confident as a writer. And I've always surrounded myself with wonderful, wonderful musicians regardless of the lineup um, and whatever people want to say, I know that I've always had the best musicians in my band and I feel really, really confident in that. And I'm really happy to have been able to work with so many great, great players. So do you play anything yourself or is it just... I play that thing, yeah. When it's in tune. No, I just, I use it to warm up on and I've, I write a couple of songs on there. I wrote a song called Black Magic on there that was on our second album and I've written, yeah, bits and pieces on there. But I, I, I'm so inspired by a riff. I don't know how you do it, but when someone writes me a riff, I can then write about it. I just, I need to feel that mood of what the songs are going to sound like, you know, and that always for me comes from a riff. Yeah. Nine times out of 10 with us, the music comes first. It's got to, it's all about the feeling well, that well, that music is singing to you, and then you write accordingly, and then pull pull apart on those emotions, those heartstrings, and all those experiences you've had through life. And mm. uh, yeah, man, I, I'm with you totally. There, it's all about. The I'm family. not a poet, do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't see myself. David Coverdale says it so eloquently. I never said I was Billy Shakespeare. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's not. He writes songs about what he knows, shagging and wine. About like, <laughs> it. But they're great. So just just write about what you know and and make sure that you're surrounded by great people to do it and great musicians. And as I said, every time we've done that, uh, every time we've written an album, it's always been that way, especially, especially on this record because 
it was so easy. It was the most wonderful, wonderful experience writing and recording with Ramesh and being in Cardiff, obviously. Uh, it was just, it was lovely. And I really can't wait to do it again. Yeah, I can't wait to hear it, man. That sounds amazing. Yeah, and, and with the new lineup as well, is it exciting playing with the new guys? Or because yeah, I always find somebody always brings something new. Like when we when we originally started the band, then Dave uh, joined us. It was exactly what we needed, um, and then it's great. Then it, it brings something new to the. It's a new sound, a new person, new ideas, uh, new vibes. So yeah, it's uh, you know it's a new toy. You know, it's it's great. Absolutely, yeah, and our our toy comes in the form of. Danny De La Cruz, my lead, my lead guitar player, who's just mm -hmm. a 20-year-old, I'm gonna, he's just a freak. Like I've never in my life known anyone that plays a guitar like him. And I've been, I feel like I've been blessed enough to play. I've performed with the likes of uh, Steve Vai, Uli John Roth, uh, Steve Morse, uh, Al Petrelli, Joel Hoekstra. I've performed with some greats, but Danny for for his age is exceptional i've never known anyone like it and all these riffs that are coming out of him and into our songs are the first ever riffs he's written you know because he's still winning wow. you know so like these songs and the first track on our new album is a song called she won't let you go and me and danny wrote that song here before he was even in the band i was writing it with him for his solo project that i was going to be involved in and um and then as soon as he was in the band i was like we're, we're doing that song and the riff is just so cool. It's the kind of riff that kids are going to want to go. I want to learn that riff. Yeah. I want. I want to play that riff. Yeah. Very lucky. So he's the, he's the youngest in the band then. He's oh by far yeah. <laughs> no one's at all. Um, I'm 32, but uh, I've decided that I'm going to start lying about my age this year. So I'm going to be 32 for the next few years, um, yes. and then just confuse people, and then they won't know. Do you know what I mean? That's. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Phil is 33. Vinny's a little bit older. He's, uh, he's a little bit older than Phil. And then Dan is the same age as me as well. But it's so cool at the minute. I don't know if you boys have got kids, but uh, Vinny, our bass player, has just had a baby. And Phil is literally just about to become a dad like any day. So it's like inglorious babies happening, which is really <laughs> cool. <laughs> and I'm getting the baby grows printed, as you can imagine. I yeah. love that. <laughs> yeah, you've got to do it. Yeah, we we've got kids, um, and and I've I've always made the joke on you in my house. It don't matter what floor you go on; it sounds like a different vibe. Like my boy's really into his um, modern Stormzy and and rap stuff, um, yeah. and then I'll go on to the next part. And my my youngest boy is into like I don't know, like theatre, uh, like proper show tunes and stuff which i fucking i grew up with all of that so it's brilliant like you know so amazing yeah i love that it's a mixture of of, of everything like you know so and chains is exactly the same they're all into their music so that's good that's what you want i, I love i think variety is really important as you can kind of tell from my story it's not always just been rock um but if you look at the if you look at the the gods you know if you look at the the Freddie Mercury's, it's the exact, it's the same sort of thing. Like they're in, they're inspired by everything, classical music. Richie Blackmore, in so heavily inspired by classical music and all sorts of different styles. And I think that's in, that's important. Um, it's important to keep it, keep it fresh. Definitely, I hundred um, percent agree with you. We got so many um, influential sort of. I'm, I'm the same, but I mean, I, I grew up. I did all the sort of pubs and clubs. I sang everything from pop to rock. Um, and then, as you said, Freddie Mercury was like huge. I think he was the first guy I looked at and just thought he didn't give a shit. He was just, um, he wasn't trying to be anything but himself. And he just wasn't afraid to just to do that. I think that's the first entertainer I saw on stage. And just thought, um, he's, even though he's playing to all those people, he doesn't care. It, it, it's just, just completely him. I love, I'm a massive Freddie fan, like, oh my goodness, I remember the, one of the first songs when I was 15 that I was like, I'm going to learn how to sing that was um, Who Wants to Live Forever? Mm, yeah, Tim, yeah. Oh, and when it goes that last chorus and it's, 
it's so high but his voice just oh it's so beautiful so yeah he's a real chameleon of a vocalist and to be able to do that opera stuff as well and yeah. I, I'm, I'm inspired by that. I don't think you can just, you don't have to just be good at one specific style. You can, you can try and take things from everything. And I think someone like Glenn is an, a good example of that. Who's got that powerful Rocky, rah, but he's also got the, the kind of, ah, he's got the like Stevie wonderisms and that real heavy black music influence, which mm. I, I just love. I love all that. It's soul, bro, bro, isn't it? It's just soul. Yeah. From there, like, um, yeah, I'm with you totally, brother. That's amazing. Do you um, do you like the 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 Adam Lambert addition to to Queen? I I think he's perfect. I would never yeah. want a job. <laughs> it's yeah. real. He is. He's a he's a freak. It's too it's too high to sing like that all the time. I would I would need I would need a holiday after every show. It's too high. <laughs> I watched the. Um, it, it won me over. I watched the Netflix, um, the Netflix oh, documentary. Yeah, really good. Yeah, I thought it was great. I genuinely thought it was great. And um, I think there's loads of interviews I've seen lately, which has really helped. Where like Brian's proper put him over and said um, he's not Freddie. Everybody just stop, stop thinking he's Freddie. There is no other Freddie. He he is Adam Adam Lambert, um, and this is another version of Queen. And I'm like. Since that, that's kind of gone wrong, it's resonated with me, and and then I've watched more of their stuff, and I really am I'm digging it now. Like you know, that's why I'm excited to go and watch them live because I want to feel that we all know it's different on record to live. You know, you can really feel yeah. it, especially certain vocalists. They do they do it you there, like you know. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm digging it. Them and actually, I've seen them live a couple of times because our a good good friend of mine is the bass player in Queen now, a guy called Neil Fairclough, mm -hmm. and. Neil co-wrote uh, the song Inglorious, which is on our first album. So he was he actually co-wrote that song with uh, myself and his brother and brother-in-law and his sister. And he took me to go and see them. And I was kind of like everyone else. I was like, am I going to dig this? Like, I've never seen Freddie, but I kind of was like, mm. part the only thing that I'd love, and like this is me being really picky, is if he was if he was British. That would be my only problem. I just would love to see the lead singer of the biggest British rock band globally to be a Brit. That's my only thing. I don't like that we had to go to America to get one. That bugs yeah. me a little. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think if you looked hard enough, you'd probably find someone who could do it. But he's he's absolutely incredible. You know, it's the same way I wouldn't want an English person singing an Aerosmith. Do you know what I mean? It's yes, that makes I'd sense. Yeah, American rock band. British rock and roll band, yeah, that's that's my only my only gripe with it. That's mad you say that because I've never thought that until right now. And yeah, and neither have I. Literally, yeah. as he's just said that, it's completely undone everything I just said about five minutes ago. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally back hating it now. I'm like, nope, I don't want to go watch him. <laughs> he's not British. He's incredible, but even the name Queen is just yeah, it screams Britain, doesn't it? And I just, I just, yeah. Anyway, it's me being really big. Yeah. So are you still hooking up with the guys as well, uh, Ryerson, or are you going to have no. a break for a little bit now this year? Or We are going to chill. Uh, now we've done the album, uh, we only kind of rehearse when we do a tour or when we're writing mm -hmm. together or we, yeah, everyone practices individually and we get together and it, it works. That's always been the great thing about this band is that everyone is so prepped. So when we get together, it and we have that magic, you know, like the, my drummer Phil is is so monstrous. Um, the little left-handed beaver, uh, he just is so so great. So to have him with me uh, is amazing. I think we would have, if he would have uh, left, it would have been I would have been really really heartbroken because he he to me is the is the heart of this band. I'm the fluff. He's the heart. Do you know what I mean, I'm like, I'm the hair. I'm not not really important, but he he, he actually is important. I was trying to work out the similar sort of thing with me and you there. Ron, That's I, what I, was, I was waiting now. I waited for your next interview on your own, and I want to hear this off you. I want to hear. I, I, I am. I, I am a fluff. 
Fucking hair, can I? Fucking hair. That's why going out there, mate. <laughs> I got the I got the hairy chest. That's yeah, yeah that's 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 there. That's there. That is yeah. That's that's the Welshiness. That is. We'll have to find something, bud. Yeah, <laughs> I'm waiting for that next interview. No, I am the fluff. He is the man. He is the heart. That's that's what I want from you, man. <laughs> Um, and then you've got this bad boy. Uh, let me just pull this up for you, Nathan. So you've got this. Oh, uh, God, they look great. Who are they? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's on That's on sale now, yeah? Yeah, it's on sale. Uh, all the tickets are on our website, inglorious.com. And, yeah, let's, what I would say about our shows, your shows, any band who you love, go and buy tickets because – they're not that expensive. I know it's tough times at the minute, but you're only going to get, you're not going to lose that money. They're going to move the gig. Do you know what I mean? So it's a good investment. If we show the government that we're selling out these shows, it's going to put more pressure on them to get these frigging venues open and let's get back to doing what what we're supposed to be doing. Um, if we got we got to fill these venues more than ever. If you care about your local venue and you care about your bands that you've supported and you want to help them out, go and buy the ticket. Go and buy a ticket. It's not you're not asking a lot. Um, unless yeah, let's let's show everyone that we're supposed to be back in these venues making lots of noise. I love that. Love yes, that. Dude. And we do. So how Good. many how many dates was on that tour then? There was there was quite a few. Well, I think it's 20, 21, 22. God, it's yeah. a that's a lot of dates, fair play. Our biggest tour um today, and it's slightly smaller venues because we're doing more places. Right. Um and we haven't announced our support yet, which will be really cool when we do. So, yeah, everyone stay tuned for that. Um, yes, tickets bought. Thank you, Sarah. Um, yeah, we're trying to instruct the rule of six on the tour, so you have to go to six shows. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to pinch that off you. That's amazing. <laughs> Deary me. Anyway, I should leave you boys to it. I've just seen um, um I've just seen a comment there. Someone said Ronnie and Shane are like Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> Fantastic. Hey, That's I'll take that. If they were actually a success, they were, so I'll take that. There we go. <laughs> Nathan, thanks for coming on, mate. It's a, it's an absolute pleasure to meet you properly, uh, weirdly through the TV. Um one day we beer backstage or something. I guarantee it, honestly. Now, um, and I, 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 when everything kind of goes back to some normality, we are going to catch up with everybody um, that we've spoken to on you, um, off, off air. Uh, have a big hug and 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 genuinely like look forward to playing some shows together as well. That'd be great. See you guys play. That's what's annoying me. You're on my definitely high on my list when this is all over. So, looking forward to it. No pressure. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> uh, brilliant Nathan thank you so much mate and take care anything you need you know where we are and we'll uh, we'll see you soon mate you too boys have a good one bye everyone take care, take care. thanks for listening to Crowcast Podcast don't forget this episode is also available to watch on our YouTube channel for up to date information on everything Crows follow us on all our socials or visit our website thosedamncrows.com Tidy. Ta-da!